Proudly coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Frontier Podcast. I'm your host, Ledge, and we are powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on iTunes and join the conversation at the Frontier Pod on Twitter. Giddy up! Embracing technology to make the world a better place. That's a common theme with this podcast. Kayvon Saber's story continues to weave that fabric. Kayvon started his tech career developing mobile games, later making a personal pivot to focus more on the cross-section of business and people. After completing his MBA at Stanford, he went on to start multiple companies, ultimately landing as the CEO of Go Check Kids, a mobile app that helps to detect early vision disease in children. In this episode, Kayvon and Ledge discuss the importance of a people-first mentality, how to grow faster by learning faster, and how he instilled an effective, agile strategy across the entire company to take GoCheck Kids to the next level. Kayvon, thanks for joining us. Really cool to have you here. Ledge, great to be with you. Thanks so much for the honor. <laughs> Excellent. Would you give a two or three minute intro of you and your work for the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So born and raised in Silicon Valley, got my professional bearings during the dot-com boom of 99 and 2000 and uh, kind of rushed into starting an e-commerce company like a lot of people my age at that time uh, while I was still an undergrad Um, and then quickly realized that I did have a real passion for business um, but in particular for the people that I was working with and building strong cultures that are life-giving for everybody on my team Um, and then for products that make a transformative impact on the people who use them. Um, so for me, it's, it's, I, I enjoy the intellectual stimulation of just solving problems and growing revenue and everything that that entails. Um, but what, where I get really excited is seeing people on my team growing in their skills and um, building products that people can't imagine living without. That you know, they look to us and even tell us, um, this has actually changed my life in some way. So tell some stories. I mean, that, you know, I know I've looked at your history and got a, some ideas around that, but, you know, give us a couple of stories of, of life-changing products and, and uh, some of the things that stand out in your mind. Yeah, maybe I can give you a contrast between um, one of my startups where we were creating mobile video games, which I have nothing against, um, but really we were optimizing and designing for addiction, right? Um, and, you know, driving home or putting my head on, that, on the pillow at night, um, I didn't feel good about it. I, I, I have nothing, you know, again, against video games. But when, you know, our goal as designers was, was trying to, you know, get dopamine to spike and, um, and people to come back and, and miss it, I realized, gosh, we're not really, we're not really adding to their, their life um, as much as everybody needs some diversion and entertainment. And so, you know, what I saw in that company, this is called, it's a company called Genplay Games. This is one of the early mobile games developers that, um, you know, grew to you know about 10 million in sales. This is long before the, even the iPhone came out. So we were playing, we were developing games for you know old Samsung, LG, and Nokia phones. Think post post Snake, but pre iPhone. I, I I remember thinking, gosh, I love I find and I'm so fulfilled by the culture we were building, where a lot of people are not only finding community, you know, they're finding a collegial experience where their skills, their mindsets. Um, their capabilities are constantly leveling up. Um, but gosh, wouldn't it be so rewarding or even more fulfilling if we also had a product that people would describe that way? And so um, I went back to grad school um, 
that was 2008 to 2010 and really said, you know, I want to just not only just develop my, my skills as a, as an entrepreneur, um, but in particular, think about and, and study, you know, businesses that are created for human flourishing, you know, businesses that, um, look to make just to elevate the human experience at scale um, and understand how they take or operate um, differently from you know who they raise money from to how they structure you know the company to um, how they actually just operate internally and so you know I had to do all the usual you know MBA classes but but again emphasized um, my coursework where, where I could do impact through business and entrepreneurship so uh, I, I think for, I think since then, since 2010, I've been solving for that intersection of business and human flourishing and lots of little experiments, um, some of them kind of medium size uh, in scale. But it, it took until 2016 before I really discovered um, what is now my life's passion. Uh, and that's, that's Go Check Kids. We have a mobile app that detects vision diseases early before these diseases turn into learning disabilities or blindness or even fatal cancers that spread to the brain. Um, and of course, while they can still be treated, you know, most kids, uh, they grow up taking a, what's called a visual acuity test. Do you remember that wall chart that you experienced in the pediatrician's office as a kid? I do. Yeah. I have kids. So yes, we, they still do a fair yeah. amount of that. So. that. That test works great if a kid is eight or 12. But it's useless if a kid is one or three. Um, you know, preverbal kids uh, and and just kids that are too young to cooperate with that test um, mean that a lot of kids are missed. In fact, it's so many kids are missed that vision impairment is the most prevalent disabling condition for kids in the United States. Um, age five is when treatment efficacy starts to go down rapidly, and so it's important to catch kids early. And until we came along, there was no product that actually was affordable for pediatricians to use. There had been technologies out for decades um, that cost you know, upwards of $20,000 over five years, and you have to replace them. Um, until uh, David Wong, our inventor, who's a br brilliant guy, he's got three engineering degrees from MIT and an MD in ophthalmology from Harvard, said, I've got to do something about this. Now, rewind in David's life, he created OCT, which is the most popular diagnostic in adult ophthalmology um, and then created a go check kids you know like gosh he created OCT in the 90s so um, it would have been you know roughly 20 years later he created go check kids um, and you know over the last three and a half years we've gone from you know a, a little prototype um, to now we have 4,000 pediatric teams who are using our product and regularly writing us and telling us Johnny um, was considered dumb he was in the remedial class um, but it turns out his brain is great. He just couldn't see the chalkboard. We've, get, we've, we've gotten him a pair of glasses, and over the last you know, uh, six months, he's covered three grades of math and reading, um, and we're thinking about putting him in the gifted and talented program right in our school. Um, or you know, just yesterday, we got an email from a doctor in the Midwest who said um, this child would not have been caught um, with eye cancer until it was too late to save their life. But we caught it with Coach Kids. Thank you for you know what you guys do. Um, and so, as a as someone who's built several technology technology companies, um, mostly mobile software companies, um, it's just it's just the most professionally fulfilling season of my life because it's it's tech for good, right? Or 
or tech first for human flourishing that is now impacting people's lives at scale. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, it's amazing that even as a technologist and someone that is immersed in this every single day, you know, like unique applications of technology and particularly mobile technology to solve big problems, you know, is, is pretty fascinating. I mean, sometimes in the podcast here, you know, we'll get into the stack and how exactly do you code that and what's all the things there. Maybe go a little bit more meta here and talk about, you know, um, there is an engineering department at all times and then, and you know, sort of the inventors and the engineers and the, the process to get this stuff to market in, uh, in sort of the engineering and technology for good. I wonder how have you seen that best organized? Are there, there best practices to have the most innovative, you know, sort of mission focused technology teams? Because it's easy to get divorced from, you know, the mission and, and get, you know, sort of stuck in the code, so to speak. Uh, how have you done that as a as a business leader? Because I think a lot of people want to emulate that. Yeah, I think the most important thing for us is finding people who are galvanized by our mission, who just live for protecting human potential, for um, for seeing kids fulfill um, their their potential in life, and don't just want a job. Right. They don't. They don't merely want to collect a paycheck. Um, they want to go on an adventure for, you know, for the greater good, um, and are willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen. Um, and that's a, that's a different kind of psychographic profile, right? Than than many people. Um, so that's that's the most important thing for us is is you know does this person um, kind of have a a, a mentality um, that they can't help but join us, right? It's not even about the money, right? Um, you know, for me, like I would do this for free. It's just, it's just so fulfilling. Um, after that, it's all the kind of classical techniques and organization that enable any company to ship um, great products, right? Starting with, you know, understanding the customer, um, you know, testing assumptions very quickly, our whole organization from marketing to sales to, um, product development and engineering um, is actually on a, an agile cycle. We um, organize around a 12-week year. So we have uh, four 12-week years. Every 12 weeks is broken up. Every 12-week year is broken up into six two-week sprints. And um, after every sprint, the entire organization, every single team actually reports to the rest of the organization on what they've accomplished, right? So kind of the classic you know, scrum inspired sprint review. We, uh, we of course do deeper dives um, on the individual teams. And so, you know, the, 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 we don't do like a daily standup with the whole company, but the engineer, all of the, almost all the teams do have their own daily standup, for example. And certainly they have their own um, kind of backlog sizing meetings. Um, they're looking different, a little different for every team. Um, and then they have their own sprint reviews in, some, in many cases that again, are more, a lot more granular than what we do with the whole organization. But we're trying to you know, optimize the whole um, mindset of the, of the organization around uh, rapid learning, rapid experimentation. And, and for us, that probably doesn't look any different um, than any of the, the companies that um, you know, are represented on the podcast. Yeah, though I do talk to a lot of technology leaders who have well entrenched the agile mindset into development and into engineering and would probably wish that the rest of the organization 
you know, operated in the same paradigm. So you actually don't hear a lot about, and maybe outside of the, the Valley, at least, you know, you don't hear a lot about fully agile organizations. There's a lot of transformation happening, particularly in legacy to, you know, sort of bring on that agile mindset and then often gets encapsulated and left only to the tech leadership. Um, you know, what's the message to yeah. everybody else who should be doing that? I mean, you're, so you're having success there and, I think that that's important for, for all business leaders to think about, hey, this works in every function. Yeah, that, that's a great question. What the message might be, are you growing as fast as you want to? And if you are, keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, we were not an agile organization as a whole before I joined. I didn't, I didn't start Go Check Kids. Um, I restarted it about 18 months ago. Uh, the investors came to me and said, gosh, this this company has a powerful value proposition, you know, detecting these diseases for a tiny fraction of the cost of any of the outdated, you know, incumbent expensive medical devices. We don't know why it's not growing. Um, can you help us understand that? And I, I, I came back to them and said, yeah, uh, if you do a couple things differently, one of them is operate in an agile fashion, then the company will grow very quickly. Um, and of course they said, you know, that sounds like, they actually said to me, that sounds like MBA speak, um, you know, words, because I was using words like agile, right? Um, and I just thought to myself, I don't care what you think this sounds like, the principles work, right? The fundamentals work. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about technology businesses or basketball. So anyway, um, the proof's in the pudding. You know, we have almost tripled in that 18 months while rebuilding our entire tech stack, most of our internal systems and replacing about half of our team. And you know, in a lot of cases, if you're doing that much to rebuild the plane, the plane's actually not flying, right? Certainly not gaining altitude. Um, but like I said, we've been able to about triple. Um, and so I guess my message is, if you wanna grow much faster than you are today, then you have to learn a lot faster. And to learn a lot faster, you need to experiment a lot faster. And to experiment a lot faster, you need some sort of disciplined routine. Um, again, just like any, championship sports team is going to have a discipline routine. Uh, and so, uh, for example, just to make this really practical, you know, every, every two weeks, our marketing team is reviewing um, all of the experiments they've run. Um, we call them tests on the marketing team. And they capture learnings in a, in a, 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 a database that um, helps them then to prioritize the next set of tests that get run. And the idea, of course, is over time, we're getting better at identifying tests or ideas to run, getting better at prioritizing them, getting better at running them. And in theory, um, our leads you know, should be growing and our sales should be growing. And that's exactly what's happening through this process. So I'm a, I mean, I, I came up through, uh, I spent a lot of my career um, in the product ranks, you know, working you know, in the trenches with engineers. And so, um, I know, of course, the value of Agile in that setting, um, but as I moved over to marketing and then you know, becoming the CEO of GoCheck, uh, it was just really obvious for me that every, every part of the organization needs to function this way. And, and I don't want to pretend like it's easy. There are some parts of the organization where it's harder, you know, where, for example, we're doing um, you know, very kind of deep scientific work. Um, you're probably going to have a longer sprint, right? Um, because you need, to, you need time to gather additional patient data, 
um, and then to analyze that data. Um, but the process is no different, right? It's called the scientific method for a reason. Yeah, there, there's a lot to unpack there, you know, and, and I think if, if I could dare to summarize, you know, it's not um, when accused of being MBA or business or textbooky, you know, the reality is that, that um, those ideas need to be executed. And, uh, and when you talk about like the difficult decisions of business leadership, technical leadership, what have you, you know, hey, we turned over half our team, you know, that's very difficult execution. That doesn't always feel amazing. And yet, you know, that was necessary to achieve what had to be done. And so I think sometimes people get caught up also in the, well, we're building a great culture and we can't turn anybody over. And, you know, that that's not true, you know, that you have to have that leadership focus on uh, on the end goal. Yeah, I would, I would add to that, that by saying that turning over some people actually makes the culture better. You know, we had one person who was was sour. You know, they were like a, um, a rotten apple in the apple cart. And, you know, there's a lot, there's lots of kind of strange behaviors. Um, but the bottom line is they were, they were not there for the mission, right? They realized, wow, this is a company with really defensible technology and it could be really valuable someday. I want a piece of that action. Um, and I don't mind a profit motive. I think a profit motive is great, but as long as it's not the top motive. So, you know, when somebody is, is, is after, you know, money first and foremost, and um, they're willing to kind of run roughshod over their colleagues, um, not listen well, um, it just it, it creates a deleterious effect on the culture. You know, Reed Hastings, the founder and CEO of Netflix, of course, put it really well. He said that um, brilliant jerks have to go because the cost of to teamwork is too high, right? It's in his famous culture deck. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we were quick to say, okay, who needs to go um, right after I join? Um, and then there was a bunch of people that were kind of in, in, in like an in-between category. I just wasn't sure about them. Um, I gave them the choice. And I said, this is the culture we're trying to build. This is the kind of performance we were trying to achieve. These are the kind of routines we need to get there. And some of them said, I don't want to be a part of that. Right? That is so different from the you know, 30 years of healthcare that I've been a part of. And um, I'm, just, I'm just not really to embrace these methods. I don't, I don't, they may work, but they're not for me. And I respect that. Um, we didn't have to make many fires, fortunately, but we did have to make a few, you know, at the very beginning. And, 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 and we looked at that really as a, definitely a very hard kind of mountain we had to climb um, or obstacle we had to overcome. It was not comfortable. Those are probably the nights that I slept the least or the worst um, beforehand, but they were in service of our mission. And at the end of the day, you know, we're here to protect the potential of kids and we can't let anything uh, get in the way of that. So the last question I ask everybody, and then just typically I'm going to reframe this because it's typically a very um, technology staffing question. Obviously we're in the business of evaluating and, and vetting, you know, the very best engineers. And uh, maybe we can abstract that and extrapolate that to, you know, as a, as a leader of a technical based organization, technical product organization, uh, maybe you're out of the seat now of, you know, sort of evaluating individual software engineers but you have to build a, a mission focused technology organization. We talked a little bit about, you know, what you might do there and, and how it, how it fits in. I just wonder like, what are the exact heuristics uh, from an engineering standpoint? You know, we have a, a proprietary system that we think is, is very successful and seems to identify really great folks. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, I think 
in an ongoing learning capacity, we're always interested in, in seeing, you know, what, what are those heuristics that uh, potentially could improve that system, you know, from your experience? Yeah, I want to talk to you more about your system offline because um, I'm, I'm very intrigued. I, I've heard a little bit about it from Faith. Um, but coming back to your question, you know, the same characteristics that we look for in any candidates are the ones we're looking for in engineering candidates. Um, once you're going beyond, you know, absolute skill, right? Absolute experience, which is, is relevant. Um, but I'm not the person to evaluate, you know, how strong they are in, you know, Python, for example, or how, how you know, skilled they are in, in you know, their iOS development. I'm more looking, you know, you, I like the word heuristics that, you know, how do they think? How do they problem solve? How hungry are they? You know, we have the phrase kind animal, which is a, a derivative of Paul Graham's phrase, which is just animal, right? So he says, you know, is this person an animal? And, and that's, a, that's a shorthand for, is this person um, the kind of person that you don't want to go to war with, the kind of person that's going to run through walls, the kind of person who can't help but learn and grow because that's who they are. It's not what they're being told to do. Um, and so we break down kind of kind animal into four principles. Um, the first one is pursue the truth, right? And so that's someone who is just incredibly curious, um, who pursues radical integrity, um, and is uh, also just transparent about how they operate. Um, because in part because they want feedback and they want to get better, right? Um, it's not about them always having the right answer. It's about them improving. Um, so yeah, radical, sorry, the first one is pursue the truth. Um, the second one is thrive together. Um, and that's something we have to really pursue like the rest of these principles together. But at an individual level, this is someone who um, wants to not only have a great outcome, but have great relationships with other folks on their team and is willing to solve for their own and their teammates' uh, autonomy and mastery. Right, um, a place that is fulfilling in part is a place where you know each person um, has freedom and is growing, and that's and of course autonomy and mastery are ingredients toward that end. Uh, the third principle uh, we think about is grit wins, and that's what it sounds like. You know, people who want to be clear about the objectives, uh, ruthless about measuring their progress, um, love learning even through failure, um, and are going to adapt to get to the top of the mountain, right? Um, there's, a certain, there's a level of resilience and tenacity that comes with great wins. Um, and the last one we've kind of covered in, indirectly, it's just transformation. Um, people who want to not only build transformational products, um, but create such a transformative company that spending a year here, you're gonna learn more in a year here than you are um, spending a year at Stanford, for example. Right, because this is a, 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 a an environment that's so collaborative and so growth focused, where we're all helping each other, you know, develop as humans. Um, but then also to be so impactful um, as a company, the healthcare industry looks to us as an example, right? And business looks to us as an example of what it can look like when business is done right, when business is done for others, um, instead of you know business being done um, primarily for. For money in our view if you are serving people regularly there will be some short-term financial trade-offs but in the long term you're going to have respect you're going to have even affection and you're going to be more profitable in the long run because your recruiting costs are going to be lower and your customer acquisition costs are going to be lower um, so yeah we look for those kind of four principles and anybody that we hire is certainly 
folks on the engineering team. But again, then there's all the kind of battery of uh, evaluating the person's actual engineering competency and their their experience, you know, certainly matters. But we're more focused on their attitude and aptitude than we are, you know, exactly how many years do they have, you know, coding in X language. Yeah, I totally get that. You know, we often find that really the 80% is going to be that soft skills area and the communication, just the, the leadership, tenacity, problem solving ability, you know, and, and of course you need to learn how to code, you know, but that's the table stakes and you know, that the, the coding test only gets you just so far. And I think to shed a little bit of light on what we're doing, you know, we, we align very closely to what you just said. So Kevon it's so cool to have you on. So appreciate the insights. Thank you for sharing. Um, great job. You know, we, we really look forward to uh, seeing what you pull off next. Hey, Les, thanks so much for the invitation and everything you guys as a team do to, to foster autonomy and freedom and, you know, growth um, in, in the community. Have a great day and looking forward to getting together soon. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.